Hello, it's great to have you with us and many thanks for joining us on Search for Truth. It's great to have your company and this is your Bible study program with your Bible teacher, Brian Johnston. Today's talk's number six in this uh, nine-part series about great spiritual movements. Brian looks today at the downfall of Satan uh, with the basis that pride goes before a fall. This time we'll be reading in the book of Ezekiel in the Old Testament and chapter 28 in particular, Ezekiel chapter 28. So if you have a Bible handy, you can follow the readings when they happen. So now let's go to Brian. Thanks, John. We have in the Bible the greatest story of vaulting ambition, that is, of someone overreaching himself and it all ending in disaster. And in this case, it's a disaster of truly cosmic proportions. Before we turn to that, let's remind ourselves that in past times, every student at school in the United Kingdom had to study the works of William Shakespeare, a famous poet who lived in England in the 1500s. He wrote many plays for the theatres of those times, and in one of them, in Shakespeare's play Macbeth, we find the words, I have no spur to prick the sides of my intent, but only vaulting ambition, which o'erleaps itself and falls on the other. In this scene, Macbeth is debating within himself about a murder he's preparing to commit. It's the murder of King Duncan. As Macbeth has just explained to himself, there's no real justification for the crime. Duncan is his relative, a gentle and godly man. He's also a good king. And on top of all that, Macbeth's a guest at his castle. All this argues against the act of murder that he's considering. Unlike a cowboy on horseback or knight of ancient times, he's no spur to press on with his intent which Macbeth compares to a wild horse. In other words, he's no justifiable motivation for this murder. Again, picturing someone leaping or vaulting up into the saddle of a horse, he says he can only draw on vaulting ambition. This refers to his intense desire for power. It knows no bounds, for it overleaps itself. It's like a horse and rider jumping at speed over an unknown boundary wall, and as a result falls on the other side, probably suggestive of unknown territory, as well as being beyond reason. Many a person has been drawn to reckless actions and to disastrous effect by uncontrolled pride and ambition and greed. In the Bible book of James, we're told that God is opposed to the proud. The Apostle Peter repeats the message, saying God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble, 1 Peter 5 and 5. God knows how to abase the proud, how to bring them down. Both Hannah and Mary, in their songs, which are recorded in the Bible, praised God for the reversals in fortune he brings about. You could say he specialises in it, bringing down the proud, the godless rich, the power-hungry land grabber, and so on. The list could go on. And God lifts up the humble, the poor, the meek of the earth. It has to be said, of course, that these reversals may take longer than we hope for. Jesus Christ, God's Son, taught his followers to select a lowly place whenever they should find themselves as invited guests at a function. It was better to be invited to sit in a better place rather than presume you had any right to it and find yourself being asked to downgrade. 
When we read repeatedly that God is opposed to the proud, it should certainly not surprise us to discover that his adversary is defined by pride. Satan, whose name in the Old Testament language simply means adversary, once held a very responsible position. Satan, or Lucifer at that time, is a created spirit being, or angel. In fact, the greatest of all the angels whom God created. Let's explore that fact now, and what became of him, as we turn to an intriguing passage from the Bible, from the prophet Ezekiel, chapter 28. It's headed in most Bibles, a lament over the king of Tyre. From verse 11, again the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation over the king of Tyre, and say to him, Thus says the Lord God, You had the seal of perfection, full of wisdom, and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, the ruby, the topaz, and the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, the lapis lazuli, the turquoise, and the emerald, and the gold, the workmanship of your settings and the sockets was in you. On the day that you were created, they were prepared. You were the anointed cherub who covers, and I placed you there. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked in the midst of the stones of fire. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created until unrighteousness was found in you. By the abundance of your trade, you were internally filled with violence, and you sinned. Therefore I have cast you as profane from the mountain of God, and I have destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom by reason of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I put you before kings that they may see you. By the multitude of your iniquities, in the unrighteousness of your trade, you profaned your sanctuaries. Therefore, I have brought fire from the midst of you. It has consumed you, and I have turned you to ashes on the earth in the eyes of all who see you. All who know you among the peoples are appalled at you. You have become terrified and you will cease to be forever. In this Bible section, an earthly king, known to us from history as Ethbal III, is portrayed as a representation of Satan. The wording, with its setting within a garden, situated on the holy mountain of God in heaven, leads us to the view that this earthly king is being seen as representing Satan. Ethbal's pride made him a highly suitable candidate to represent Satan in this figurative way. What we are able to gain from this picture is the insight that before Lucifer fell, he was in a very privileged position as the covering cherub. This is the limit of what the Bible tells us about how sin originated. It occurred within this created being. We can go no further than these words of Scripture. He was blameless when created, but he corrupted himself. His inward response to his splendor and beauty was to become proud, and so God's judgment fell on him, and he was deposed from office. His destiny was to become the lake of fire, but his doom was not immediate. In fact, as we count time, it would be a long time in coming but no less certain for all that. It's the Lord Jesus who tells us that this place, the lake of fire, was actually prepared for Satan, that is, the devil, and those other angels who rebelled with him. There is no redemption for angels when they sin. 
how we should praise God that he sent his son to take hold on humanity, not angels, that he might bring about a way of salvation for us through his death on the cross as man. Jesus, the kindest and truest of men, is the one who has the most to say about such punishment. It's factual, it's fearful, it's fair, and it's final. The good news is that at least some humans will not go there. Sometimes we read of a government minister, a prominent politician, who makes some serious error of judgment. It may not end their career, but they are removed from the inner cabinet and relegated to a much lower profile on the back benches. That may or may not be a helpful way to think of God's immediate response to Satan's sin, this one that was the true original sin, coming before Adam's transgression in the earthly Garden of Eden, Adam's sin, under the influence of Satan, took place in what appears to have been a special place on earth, reflecting the scene of Satan's fall likewise in heaven. The Lord adds further detail in Luke chapter 10 and verse 17, where we can read, The seventy-two returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Jesus had sent these followers of his on a mission trip. They returned happy with the results that they'd witnessed by God's power given to them in their commissioning. The special power that they'd been given over demons had thrilled them. The Lord, however, put it in perspective for them. He'd seen the power of Satan himself being subdued in a far greater way, and then pointed out that to know our sins are forgiven and that we have a place reserved in heaven is a far greater wonder of grace than the wonder of judgment inflicted on morally fallen spirit beings. I wonder if this was the Lord referring to the time that we've been considering when Satan was originally dismissed from his leading position among the company of angelic orders. If so, it was a third of the angels that followed Satan into rebellion and judgment. Satan's fate was sealed from that moment. It would be the lake of fire. But as our further studies in God's word will show, there would be distinct stages to his downfall. When I survey the wondrous cross On which the Lord of glory died My richest gain I count but loss And poor contempt From our hymn, A Sight of Our Lord on the Cross, indeed humbles us, and when we appreciate his amazing love for us, 
we indeed pour contempt on all our pride. Our current book, entitled Great Spiritual Movements, contains transcripts of the nine talks in this series. It's available on request, and if you'd like a copy, just write in, by post or by email. I'll be giving you the contact details shortly, if you've pen and paper to hand, and the talk you've heard today is also available to download via the internet, either in audio or text format. But to obtain the book, simply ask for Great Spiritual Movements, and you can do this, as I said, by email or by post, and here's our address. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wootton Bassett, Swindon, SN4, 8DY, UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. You may be interested to know you can listen again to many of these broadcasts off-air by audio podcast or mp3 versions. If you go to searchfortruth.podbean.com, you can browse the list of previous talks, which has been sorted into categories, and then you can find what you're looking for. So it's been a delight to have the pleasure of your company today. Thanks indeed for being with us, and I hope you'll join us next week to hear about how the Spirit moved in the downfall of Satan. We'll see how a king was influenced by Satan. Until then, it's very best wishes from Brian, David, our singers, and me, John. As always, may God richly bless you.